0: How you doing good so today the youth will not be dismissed they're going to stay in here uh if joe's here is joe in here no nope. joe skipper yep joe's here so we're trying to kind of gather them around joe if you got youth that uh, don't want to hang out with you and they'd rather sit you know with another adult or semi-adult uh and um you know the, the, i was taking liberties there uh, a lot of things are happening. Johnny Harris is going to be our new children's pastor, uh, and he—he he was here a couple weeks ago, and you may have met him. Uh, he'll be—he had some, you know, some goodbyes and some things to finish up with his jobs, uh, so he'll be—he'll be starting in a few weeks. And uh, Tim and Lauren Seawalt uh, will be our youth pastors, and uh, uh, to fill in for Will I Am, who has, uh, having loved this present world, has left us. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he's still here. That's what's great, isn't it? He's still here. We we love having them here. Uh, and if you haven't seen them, you think where they've been. Well, they've been filling in for the last couple of months uh, doing children's ministry for both services. So that's why you haven't seen Tim and Lauren. So this is the first Sunday of the month. It's our mission Sunday, our, our missions emphasis Sunday. Uh, we like to, the first Sunday of the month because we you know we like to give our first fruits to God. And we're in what we call our Missions 10-8 emphasis based on Matthew 10-8, where Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. I believe the Lord is asking us as a church this year to do things, to do two things, uh, to give sacrificially more than we've tried to give more than we've ever given before uh, so that we can fulfill the great commission and the great commandment to love one as I've loved you. Uh, so we're calling this the 10-8 fund. And so I gave you a report last month on how we were doing, and so I'm going to give you a report, let you know how we're doing each month. So, uh, so how are we doing so far? In January, we had four thousand one hundred seventy-five dollars come in for all mission funds, uh, uh, and we gave away in January twelve thousand nine hundred fifteen dollars, uh, <laughs> and then through February twelve thousand three hundred ten has come in and we have given $20,581. Uh, we need, our goal is, ten thousand. we need at least $10,000 a month that we're gonna give to these ten-eight projects for our missions to come in so that we'll, we'll meet our target of $10,000 at least a month. Uh, in January, 11 families participated. And in February, 83 families participated isn't that better (laughs) amen so thank you thank you thank you we just want to give as much as we can so this month so what are we doing this month this month we're working with our dear friend in uh in poland and you can imagine uh poland is getting a lot of you ukrainian refugees and so we talked we've talked with him and stanislav Bubik in czech republic and uh we told them that we would send them uh, a minimum of five thousand dollars that we're going to send to help help them minister through their churches uh, to the refugees, and they've already got people coming in, standing there. They're opening up their houses and their apartments, and people are staying. You know, he said it's been great to see because there has been a running uh, Ukrainians and Polish people don't get along. Uh, just you know, like they're, they're not. They have they've had long longstanding not war but just conflict the Polish people are Roman Catholic and the Ukrainians are Russian Orthodox so there's been a kind of an oil in a water situation but they said that you know this is tearing down the walls they've they've been seen leading up to this uh, just a unification of the believers in Poland that have been coming together it's like you know we don't care about what label you are we don't care if you're Catholic we don't care if you're Protestant we don't care if you're Russian Orthodox are you a follower of Christ that, that wall has been coming down powerfully, and they're excited about that, and this is a great opportunity. So, we're going to be sending them uh, at least $5,000. We'll send $5,000 this week. And I, some of you may to how this works. So, so, so when I talked to him on the phone, and the elders have empowered me to do this, because uh, we've already talked about this and what we were going to do in our plan for the year, is that I made a faith pledge, I made a faith commitment to him that we would give him $5,000. Okay, I didn't know how much would come in, or we would, you know. But I knew that we would be able to take it out of our general fund if we had to. So, if so, I said we'll give five thousand uh, dollars. That's the minimum that we will give. If you give thousand dollars, or fifty dollars, or twenty dollars, everything helps and everything counts. That doesn't mean we give five thousand and twenty. But when what you give surpasses the five thousand, we will give all of that. In other words, if you gave six thousand, then we would give six thousand. And if we all give eight thousand or ten thousand, we'll give ten thousand. We always and we always, always, always give more money than comes in. We always exceed our giving in missions than what comes in to missions so uh so just thank you for your generosity thank you for your giving just so that's our goal this is, so we we want to we want to help this is a horrible horrible crisis that putin has invaded ukraine and is you know bombing bombing apartment blocks killing civilians just with impunity and uh we can reach out with the love of christ and try to help those that are suffering amen So let's just pray lord this is a horrible crisis that's taking place in ukraine and lord i pray that your hand would be upon the body of believers through the through from since the iron curtain came down in 91 since that came down lord you enabled us to plant a lot of churches in ukraine and we were we invested a lot of ministry into ukraine lord we pray that those churches that your hand would be upon them those pastors those leaders those believers the body of christ the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, both Protestants and Catholics and, and uh, Greek Orthodox and people that don't have Russian Orthodox and people that don't have a tag, but they name the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would, you would uh, empower them and use them to not only be ministered to, but allow them to minister to one another and minister to the lost that, that need Jesus during this time. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you're here today because it's a lot more fun when there's somebody in here to preach to. Uh, we're, we've been talking about the bedrock of Christianity, Those, uh, what you would say, some of the irrefutable claims about Christianity that, uh, that we should know that 99% of historians, both Christians and non-Christians, believe first that the historical Jesus lived. That's uh, number one. They do believe that the, the actual person, there was a person in history named Jesus, that lived and did the things that that he claimed to do, that this Jesus died on a cross at the hand of the Romans, and that his followers believed that they had seen the risen Christ. So This is the bedrock truth that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is built upon. In 1 Corinthians 15, we talked a bit about this uh, last week, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve, and after he had appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So we have within these verses, we have, uh, we have one of the first creeds, one of the first statements that the church made. So Paul says, I received this, I, 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 was, I was taught this, We know that there was a period of time where Paul spent two weeks with Peter uh, and hung out at his house with him. Uh, And so in that time there was, you know, information that was transferred. And so this was the first creed of the church. This is one of their first things that they were teaching. Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So within just a few years, possibly months, possibly days. Uh, when we read about what they talked about, they continued in the apostles' teaching. When we read that in the New Testament, we're probably reading that they're saying they, they continued in these things, in understanding that Jesus died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So what does this tell us? What does this tell us? Well, first of all, it tells us that Jesus... Is the Christ the anointed one the Messiah when you know when we read Jesus Christ we don't think about what it's saying we think that you know Jesus is his first name and Christ is his last name and that's not what this is saying the Christ is describing a person we could say a mirror the policeman the police officer the captain He's a captain. I read that right. Now, right? Yeah. That's not his last name. His last name's Shabani. But that's that defines who part of who he is. He's also a dad and a husband. And, but that defines who he is. So this is a definitive term. This is not saying he's Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. He's Jesus the Galilean, but he's Jesus the Messiah. They're recognizing that he is the claimed Messiah according to the scriptures. Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus says this. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. He's like, you're not sharp enough to get this. But my father who is in heaven also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. In Mark chapter 6, when they're there, Mark chapter 14, sorry, When he is before the high priest, the high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus saying, do you not answer? What is that these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent, did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven and at that they said do we need any other proof he has condemned himself to death because he is claiming to be god he is the christ the anointed one he is the messiah so that we affirm that we agree with that we believe that we believe that christ the christ is the messiah get my pages right or it'll be trouble at the end i'll start over again we'll get in a loop We'll still be here at four o'clock. I was like, oh no, <laughs> never, ending. it's a never ending sermon. And then, First Corinthians 15 3 Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. This Christ, this Messiah, died for our sins. John Croson, in his book, Jesus, a revolutionary's biography, and John Croson is a historian, but he is not a Christian that Jesus was crucified as sure as anything historical can ever be. Malcolm Muggeridge, in his book Jesus Rediscovered, said, One thing at least can be said with certainty about the crucifixion of Christ. It was manifestly the most famous death in history. No other death has aroused one hundredth part of interest or been remembered with one hundredth part of the intensity and concern. Jesus died on a cross. Now, crucifixion was a common form of death in the first century. It was invented by the Persians. It was advanced by the Greeks and perfected by the Romans. Crucifixion was a capital punishment that only came to an end by the order of the Roman Emperor Constantine in the early fourth century when he became and converted to Christianity. It is arguably the most brutal, shameful, inhumane death to ever enter the mind of humankind josephus the jewish historian referred to it as the most wretched of deaths for a very long time the primary historical evidence that we had crucifixion in the ancient world was the, first of all the writings of of cicero from 106 bc to 43 bc and from josephus from 37 a.d you don't care about this to 100 a.d and plutarch from uh, just you know i just want you to have a good background uh, from AD 46 to AD 119, and the four gospels. So there was, there was, there wasn't a lot other than th- these writings talking about. Uh, there wasn't a lot of things talked about. It's just something that that happened uh, to a lot of people. Then in 1968, archaeologists unearthed the first physical evidence of death by crucifixion. So during the first century, many Jews. In Jerusalem, they buried their dead in rock-cut tombs, like Jesus was put into a rock-cut tomb. And then they would leave those bodies in there for a year where they would dry out. (laughs) And then at the end of that time, they would take those bodies out and put them in an ossuary, a bone box. So they'd put all their bones in a box about this big and put them... In a shelf in 1968 one of these boxes bore the name Yehohanan the son of Hagokai probably not saying that right inside inside archaeologists found an ankle bone through which was driven a curved nail he is the only victim of crucifixion ever discovered When Jehohan was condemned to death by crucifixion, he would have followed much of what when you read in the Gospels. He would be first made to pick up the heavy cross member over his shoulders and behind his neck and forcibly led away to the place of execution. As he walks, a placard describing his crime is hung around his neck. And during the walk, while he is walking, Roman soldiers are whipping him with leather ropes with shards of animal bone and glass. When he makes it to the vertical stake in the ground that awaits his arrival, he is stripped completely naked, tied with ropes to the crossbeam, and lifted up to the top of the vertical stake, and nails are driven into the wood through the ankle bone. After hanging there in agony, possibly for days, exposed to the wild animals. Starving and dying of thirst, he starts to gasp for breath. But due to exhaustion, he can no longer lift himself up to breathe, and he suffocates to death in just a few minutes. Crucifixion is where we get the word excruciating, which literally means out of the cross. Tens of thousands of people died this way. Literally, probably hundreds of thousands. Because the Romans just crucified a lot of people. Jehohanan was one of them. Jesus of Nazareth is another. The other tens of thousands of people crucified in the ancient world have been erased from history. Yet, somehow, this crucified man, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ is to this day the most influential person in human history. It is a bedrock fact that Jesus of Nazareth was crucified in A.D. 33 during Passover under the governor Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Why? But why? Why was that important? Because they said Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures which scriptures what scripture was he fulfilling by dying on the cross Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31 says behold days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt my covenant which they broke Although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after these days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them and on their heart and I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying, know the Lord for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So Jesus in Luke chapter 22, what we consider the last supper, where Jesus is celebrating with his disciples the Passover, it says, and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes and when he had taken some bread and given thanks he broke it and gave to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten saying this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant this is what jeremiah talked about this is the promise of the old testament this is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus, Jesus sitting with his disciples, took a thousand-year ceremony. This, the, the Passover feast is a, at the time of Jesus is about a thousand-year-old ceremony. Okay? And he says, okay, guys, we're changing this. This is not a celebration anymore of the bondage of the people of Israel getting out of the bondage of slavery and into the promised land. This is now a celebration of people everywhere getting out of the bondage of sin and getting into the kingdom of God. It is our deliverance. It is a celebration of our deliverance. And then in Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah 53 is probably the best example of what the Old Testament being fulfilled. This is, this is long. I know I'm using a lot of scriptures, but you know, that's just the way I roll, okay? <laughs> Who has believed our message? And to whom has the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised. And forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourgings we are healed. For all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut out of the land of the living for the transgression of the people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering. We will see his offering, we will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities." Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. So the earliest followers of Jesus, they got this. They understood this, that what Isaiah was saying in the scriptures, that there's this there's this coming Messiah, there's this coming Anointed One, there's this coming Christ, and He's going to come and He's going to die. He's going to pay the price, not for His sin, but for our sin. So much so that, that they believed it. So in these, these earliest of New Testament writings, Paul, is the, is the, Paul Paul's writings were before the Gospels in the 40s, 10 to 15 years after Jesus' death, Paul says in 2 Corinthians five twenty-one, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans 5, 6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, some would even dare to die, but God Demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, he doesn't wait till you get everything going right. He's not wait till you stop sinning. You know, I need to. I've talked to a lot of people. Who said, you know, I need to get things right. I need to do some things. You know what you need to do? You need to come to Jesus because you're never going to get them right on your own. You've been you've been trying your whole life, and you're still struggling with the same stuff. You ever have any hope of getting it right is, the, is to come to Christ and let him make it right. And you don't, have to, you don't have to get good for him. You need to let him make you good. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? 1 Peter 2.24, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. The first creed of the church is this. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Spurgeon said, may we reflect on the wounds of Jesus until they wound our sins to death. So, why did he do this? Why did the Messiah... Come and die for our sins so that you could become a child of god god's plan god's desire is to bring you into his family this is this is a great invitation you think about it this is a great you ever been invited to a a a party you know and you think i opened this morning i opened an invitation to a wedding you know and it's and it's a it's a privilege you know somebody thought hey this person this person wants to i want this person to participate in this event of my life i, I value this person's presence i want them to be there at least in a gift <laughs> if you're cynical like i am right? i want them, i want them to be there but it's special an, invita- an invitation to a party, to get included, you get, you know, to be included in the party. And God has sent out this tremendous invitation where he has invited us into his family and he wrote the invitation with the blood of his own son so that our debt was paid and our sins can be totally wiped away and we can receive new life in him this is the, this is the greatest story ever told this is the this is the myth that is true that the redeemer has come to save us and how do you do it how do, how do you get it how do, how do you receive it Do you climb to the top of some mountain? Do you quit doing something? How how do you receive this incredible invitation? You just believe (laughs) on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Is that unbelievable? It's not not something you do. It's something that he did and you just reach out and take it it's it's like god is reaching out from heaven with this great gift of not not just heaven heaven's like is heaven's the facility (laughs) you know if i go and visit william i'm not celebrating his house i'm celebrating william we're there to be there to be with william When we go to heaven, it's like, oh, heaven's going to be wonderful. Heaven's going to be God. You know what makes heaven heaven? It's the place where God is, and he's invited us to be with him by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Let's just give the Lord an opportunity. There may be someone here today who's never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never, you've never yielded your life to Christ. You've never said, yes, I believe that I need a Savior. I mean, everyone in this room that's, that's a Christian would say, I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior. Salvation comes when we come to, we come to Christ and we just come totally empty-handed, realizing that we have really nothing to offer him. He doesn't need anything that we have he doesn't need our money he doesn't need our life he doesn't but we offer it to him we say lord just as i am without one plea i come empty-handed no there's no good work there's nothing that i've done in my past i haven't earned any righteousness i'm a sinner and i need a savior and i believe that you died for me and if you've never if you never ask Jesus to come into your life today, just raise your hand and say, I need to say yes to Jesus. I know it's my time, it's my day. Today's the day. I need to say yes to Jesus. And accept Him as the Lord and Savior for my heart today. Today's the day. Let's stand and sing this song together.